The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, I'm excited to dive in to our text this morning. Um, I want to invite you uh, to grab your Bible if you have one. Turn with me to Luke 8. We're going to be picking up where we left off in Luke. Uh, And also, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one around you, and um, it should be on page 865. So grab one, turn there, and follow with me. And listen, if you're here and you don't have a copy of God's Word, you don't own one, we would love to give you one. We would love to give you one. If you're here, you don't have one, just grab the one around you, take it with you. There's no strings attached. You don't need to give us any information or let us know anything. It'd be our joy. Um, Listen, before we get into this, I would like for us to just take a moment and come to the Lord in prayer. So would you just, before we turn to Luke 8, would you pray with me? God, your faithfulness, your goodness is new for us each and every day. We've come together here in this moment, um, and we know that we are here because of your love, because you are good, and because you are faithful. This morning, our prayer is that we can come to know you more, know you more through your word. We are not here to hear from the thoughts of any person but your thoughts. So, Lord, would you help us this morning? Would you lead us, convict us, and would you change us for your glory and for our good? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I, uh, I want to read to you our narrative. It's a familiar story. It's, uh, it has some really profound implications, implications for who our God is, implications for the authority of Jesus, and implications for who we are in in Jesus. So let me read for for us together. I'm going to start in, in verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? How incredible is this? Anyone else you wish you could have been there for this? Wish you could have experienced this? What a rush of emotion. What a sense of awe when a crazy storm that was threatening to take your life was literally verbally rebuked by Jesus. And what a moment when that storm obeys the rebuke of Jesus and that violent storm 
calms. What an incredible moment of awe and wonder. Oh, to have been there. Uh, listen, as Luke tells this story, and by the way, this story is also given to us in Matthew and Mark, but as Luke tells us this story, I, I don't know if you notice this, but he does not get bogged down with any unnecessary details. Uh, what I mean is, you know, you know we, we come to this and we ask, well, why were they getting on the water? Why were they going out to sea? Well, Luke doesn't tell us because that's not Luke's point. Questions like, did they know there was a storm coming? Did they know the potential danger that they were heading? Did they have an idea? Luke doesn't tell us. Um, what about the boat? How big was this boat? What kind of boat are we talking about? How about the people? How many people were on the boat with them? Uh, how many people were with them? Was it just the 12 disciples? Or was it disciples used in a broad sense, like he just talked about, with the, with the women, with the people around them? Once again, Luke doesn't tell us, because that's not Luke's point. Uh, the truth is, is that Luke doesn't give us much detail from this narrative outside of the important detail. So here's what we know. We know that they were out on, a, out on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came that was intense and deadly. Luke tells us that even his disciples, the disciples, were afraid of death. And that's a big statement, because if you remember, many of them were fishermen. Many of these guys, you would assume, knew how to handle themselves when bad weather came onto, their, came onto the scene. You would assume that many of them have been able to navigate storms in their past. All right, you would have assumed that. But Luke tells us that even these guys were in a state of sheer and complete panic and thought, I'm going to die. We're, we're going down. This is it. We're going to die. They were afraid of their lives. They thought it was over, and they believed that this storm was going to break that boat apart, and they would have been lost at sea. This was an intense moment, an intense storm. And in the intensity of that moment, they, they say, Master Jesus, wake up. Wake up. Jesus sleeps pretty deeply here. Wake up. We're going to die. I know you're sleeping soundly. I know you're tired. Wake up. You're going to die. We are going down. Notice they didn't say, though, Jesus, wake up. Would you help us? They didn't say, Jesus, would you wake up so you can maybe lend a hand? No, they said, they said Jesus, wake up because we're going to die. This was, a, this was a moment of absolute desperation and panic. And it was in this panic that they wake him up, and Jesus wakes up, and he does intervene, and he does two things. One, he speaks to the storm, and then he speaks to the disciples. He speaks to the storm, and then he speaks to the ones that are rattled in the storm. So let's first address the fact that Jesus speaks directly to the storm, that he addresses the storm. And actually, addresses is a puny word. It, it's not what he did. He rebuked the storm. This is a strong word. He treats, Jesus treats the storm the same way he treats people who are demonically possessed. He rebukes it. 
He speaks with authority over it. He rebukes the storm. He rebukes the wind, the waves, the rain. Jesus rebukes nature. Take that in for a moment. Who does that? Who can do that? Rebuke. Who has the right to go outside and rebuke a tree? Who does that? Who can do that? Specifically, though, you might go outside and rebuke a tree, but listen, how many of us could get the tree to listen to us? Who has that authority? Who does this? To state it simply, this was an absolute and complete miracle. A miracle that communicates something very specific. This miracle is communicating to us that our Jesus has absolute authority. Complete and total, absolute authority to rebuke wind and that wind, listen. To rebuke a storm and that storm, listen. This miracle calls us to understand something really profound about our Savior. Think of it like this. When when our Savior came to the world, he became... Like us, Scripture says. Put on flesh, um, humbled himself, became like us. In fact, Hebrews tells us that he even was tempted in every way we are. He faced life, the messiness. Our Scripture tells us he even wept and he went through life. He was like us. But hear me, our Jesus was also at the same time not like us. Let's look at a few scriptures together. I'm going to put them on the screen so you don't feel the anxiety of flipping, all right? Um, So you can just hunker down right there in Luke 8 if you want, but I'm going to look at just a few scriptures, and I'm doing this because I want us to understand who our Jesus is that's on display here. Let's start in, in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. By the way, when John refers to the Word, he's referring to Jesus. So when you see Word or Logos, that's Jesus. So John is saying, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. This is the word who just did a few short verses down. John is going to say, hey, that word did put on flesh. That word did come down and dwell among us. But John is clear to say all things, all creation, all nature were made, are created through Jesus. And nothing was created apart from Jesus. In other words, why did the wind listen? Why did the waves listen? Why did the storm listen? They listened because the one who was speaking. This is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all are all things and through whom we exist. Do you hear it again? All things exist through him. Without him, nothing exists. All right, Colossians 1.16. And he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, And for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. One more. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also... He created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's our Jesus. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you hear it? How could it be that the wind and the waves and the storm listened to him but wouldn't listen to us? How could it be that an entire storm system could be rebuked by Jesus and listen? How could that be? It's because of the authority of the one who spoke. Nature itself is under his authority because all nature was made through him. We can't go outside and rebuke a storm and the storm listen because that storm doesn't recognize our voice. That Storm, nature doesn't recognize the authority of any man, but Jesus was no ordinary man. He is the word and through, he's the one through whom all things were created. Okay, I, I lied, I didn't mean to. I said that last one was the last one. I do have one more. Revel, uh, Revelation 4.11, I can't resist not. Okay, follow with me. Revelation 4.11, this is the scene around the throne at, when it's all said and done. Listen to this. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. In this moment, the storm is raging. Jesus is woken up. He stands up, and he rebukes it. And the storm ceases. Let's do some imagination work. I don't know if you've been on a boat in an intense storm. I haven't, but I've seen movies. Um, Picture it. How loud. The howling wind, the waves that are just... The wooden boat creaking as it is pressed almost to the point of snapping. Imagine the disciples yelling over this loud howling at each other, trying to get communicate as they're going down and thinking they're done. Imagine them frantically, desperation, the scene of chaos, and then in that chaotic, loud, frantic, crazy moment, Jesus speaks, and then this happens. I picture the soft sound of waves breaking on the boat and maybe the sound of birds now that we can hear them again. Calm. What a contrast. What power, what authority, what an incredible moment. This is our God, this is our Savior, this is Jesus. The God who rebukes rebukes the storm and the God who the storm listens to. This is our Jesus. But the scene doesn't end there. Uh, listen, he says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind, like we said, the raging waves, they ceased, there was a calm, and then verse 25, he says, 
where is your faith? (laughs) He turns from talking to the storm to now addressing his disciples. Where is your faith? I want you to notice he does not describe them as being faithless. I want you to hear me. This is important. This is really important. He's not accusing them of having no faith. What he's accusing them of here in this moment, the question he has for them in this moment, is why in the storm did your faith that you have banish? Where'd it go? Where did it go? The faith that you have. As soon as the storm came, where'd it go? Where did the faith go? Can you relate? Have you... Have faith in Christ. We believe in him. We stand on him. And then we're hit with a storm. And where did that go? Where did my faith, where did my trust, where did it go? Why isn't it showing itself here in this moment? Jesus here looks at his disciples, looks at us and says, where is it? Where did it go? I see the storm, I see the wind, I see the waves, but you know what I don't see is the faith of my disciples. Where did it go? Where did it go? Where is your faith? I know I can relate really well to this text. Listen, on the most basic level, here's what we know and understand about Scripture. We know that our God is bigger than the storm. We know that our God is bigger than any trial. We know this. We know that Jesus is able to deliver us no matter how great the peril, no matter how dire the situation. We know this, we see this, and I want to push this further. We know that our God is able to deliver us from the storm. Just like he did in our text, that he's able to take us out, deliver us out of a storm. We know that our Jesus can speak and things are calm. We know this. We also know that for some of us, it's not that we're going to be delivered from the storm. We are going to be delivered through the storm. Where we know we're going to be held preserved, led, loved. Whether it be deliverance from the storm or deliverance through the storm, we know Jesus is able. Our God has all authority and is able. On another level, I want to push this even further. We also know through Scripture that without difficulties, without trials, without stresses, without failures, without the storms, without those things, we would never grow to be what we should become. Because the storms are a part of the process of spiritual growth. Think about this. Do you think the disciples would ever forget this moment on this boat? The moment when Jesus delivers them. The moment when the God of the universe intervenes. No, they wouldn't. I want to ask, have you ever been in a moment where you were delivered by God? Where God delivers you from or delivers you through a storm? 
God steps in and carries you through. Have you ever been in that moment? Because if you have, let me ask, could you ever forget that? It's through these moments that our faith is grown. It is through these moments that we are refined. There's an old saying that I love. The saying is, the obstacle is the way. Here's what it means. Scripture says, if you want to grow, if you want your faith to be strengthened, if you want to be mature, then the obstacle, the storm, the trial is the way. It is the way. The obstacle, the storm, the trial is the tool that God is using for his glory and for your good. James 1 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hear me, if growth in grace, growth in Christ, nearness to Jesus is our great goal, our great aim, if that is true, and if trials and testing produce that, then we can look at the trials as the tools of God's glory to grow our faith. Not that they're pleasant, but we can know that our God is good and we can know that these things are for our good. Jesus is able. I I wanted to give you this quote. I love this quote. This is by Abraham Kuyper. It just doesn't get any more clear and technical term, awesome than this. Look at this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. I don't care where you are in your life and your walk with Jesus. That's good news. Our God is sovereign over all things and our faith grows as we are able to see and understand that through the storms of our life. And I want to just speak to you. If you are here and you are in a storm, hang on. Jesus is here and he is able. And Jesus' question, where is your faith? Not that you don't have it, but Where is it? Where is your faith this morning? I pray that our faith grows this morning, just as it did for the disciples in the boat in this scene. The wind and the waves and the rain. Jesus speaks, there's a calm. And as the disciples are wrestling with what just happened, Jesus asks this question, where is your faith? And as that question weighed on their minds, maybe in the same way it's weighing on yours, Look again at their response. Our text says that they were afraid and they marveled. Fear and wonder are the natural response when we become aware of God's work. Is it not? Have you ever been there where you would say, wow, that was God. God intervened. God stepped up. He did this work. Can you relate to that sense of wow? That sense of God did this. God did this. There's a sense of reverent fear when we see God at work. 
and we become aware of his work. The disciples just witness the God, creator God of the universe intervening on their behalf. They witness God's power. And when they saw this as the wind and the waves and the storm had calmed, they were just left with this fear and wonder. And don't miss this either, because in that moment, when fear and wonder were on them, they didn't start talking to themselves about how, hey, we were going to die, now we're not. Hey, our lives were at risk, and now they're not. What did they do? Well, it was in this moment that they were filled with this awe and wonder and fear that they then said, who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Who is this? In other words, through this miracle, through this storm, don't miss this, through the storm, they were drawn to see Jesus, to see him for who he is, to see him for his power and his authority. Listen, regardless of your trial or your storm, the gospel is not about making light of it. This was a serious storm. There was no getting around that. The gospel is not about downplaying the hard things we go through in our lives. Downplaying the struggle, downplaying the storm. This is not the way scripture calls us as followers of Jesus to navigate through the trials of this life. That is denial, that is not healthy, and that is not real. There are really difficult things that you and I will go through in this life. Really deadly storms. And being a Christian does not make the trial less real. The storm less stormy, the waves less wavy, the difficulty less difficult. I want to push on this a little more. Christian, just because you are going through storms and trials does not mean that you're doing this wrong. Does not mean that you're doing this whole Christian thing wrong. Our gospel calls us to look at life the way it is, knowing that our God is bigger and that he is in control. In other words, the gospel is not about making our storms smaller. The gospel is about seeing Jesus for who he is. The gospel is about Jesus getting bigger and bigger and bigger and our storms, not our storms getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We've said this before, but the gospel is not come to Jesus and get less problems. Come to Jesus and get new levels of awesomeness. Come to Jesus and and get anything else. That's not the gospel. The gospel is come to Jesus and get Jesus because he is bigger, he is better, he is able, he is the one that calms. That's what we get. That is the promise. Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? At the bottom of this all, this text today is simply a text calling us to see and to behold Jesus. Who then is this? This is Jesus. Whether you are in a storm today, whatever your past may be, and whatever the storm that you are yet to face, this is our Jesus. He is the one with all authority over all things. This is our Jesus. 
He is the one who is able to deliver us from or deliver us through any and every trial that we will ever face. This is our Jesus. Our Jesus is the one who can even take storms and use them for our good and for his glory. That's our Jesus. And because of that, because that's who our Jesus is, who or what do we have to fear? If the trials only grow our faith, then what trials should we fear? If, the, if no storm is outside of his authority, then what storm should we fear? This is our Jesus, so where is our faith? Church hardships are often the pathway to peace. The obstacles are often the tools that our God chooses to use to grow us. The storms are often the moments that we are most aware of God's presence in our life. Where is your faith today? Do you know Jesus who is all-powerful? Do you trust that he is able? Do you know Jesus? Do you trust that he is good? If so, where is your faith? If so, church, would you stand strong? Knowing that you are not abandoned today. Would you pray with me? God, so often as a preacher of your word, um, You preach to me all week. And I feel like in this moment that this is exactly what I and exactly what we together as a church need to hear. Not a promise that there will be no storm, but a promise that you are greater than the storm. Not a promise that we will be free of trial, but a promise that you are greater than the trial. We cling to you, Jesus. As we read your word and as we read what you, who you are and what you have done, Lord, would you grow our faith? Would you grow our faith? Would you show us that you never change, that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that the same Jesus who calmed the storm is our ever-present help? God, for any of us who are here who are navigating through a difficult moment, would you bring peace? We pray for deliverance. Whether that be deliverance from or deliverance through, we stand on the fact that you are a God who delivers. And so, Lord, here in this moment, would you deliver? And would you help us to be people of faith through the storm and through the trial? For your glory and for our good, in Jesus' name, amen.